morning, everyone. Happy to be Shvat. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We continue. We left off. 68, 68A. So, Mace, we'll ask you a question. We learned the Boyle Nidah It says that someone who has intimate relations with a Nidah has the status of a Tame Mace, someone who came in a corpse impurity, someone who came in contact with a corpse. My, what does he mean? He, they're equivalent. Regarding to which laws? Elaim, if you're going to tell me to Moisom, that they both have the same level of impurity. So then, why does the Bryce have to teach me? It says in the Torah that, that a, a Tomei Meis, you you, you're impure for seven days. And it says if you have intimate with a Nida, you're Tomei for seven days. It says in the Torah. Why do I need the Bryce to tell me, or the rabbis to tell me? Ella laughs, we must say, the Bryce is coming to teach me something I wouldn't know. It's coming to teach me It's coming to teach me that there's a difference. That Baal Nidus get Tommy Mace. Baal Nidus is equivalent of a Tommy Mace that if they're impure, which camp do you have to expel them from? They're only expelled from this camp of the Shechina, from the temple itself, the inner courtyard. But the Temple Mount, they're allowed. So since the, and this is the end of the Braisa we learned yesterday, the first part of the Braisa that taught us that the Balkedi, someone who had nocturnal emission, is like a Magi Sheditz, is the equivalent of, of touching a Sheditz, touching a dead mouse. And we ask the same question. Surely, so what is he coming to teach me? Is he coming to teach me that they're impure, to teach me for the impurity? Uh, just like a sheretz, even an oinus, even by, by accident, you still become impure. So too, a balkedi, even if it wasn't by accident, not because he had any lewd thoughts or anything, it was just by accident, uh, extra- extraneous circumstances, nevertheless, you become impure. Or is he coming to teach me that the balkedi, and like, just like a maga sheretz, you're only expelled from the camp of the shechina, from the, from the inner courtyard in the temple. So too, if you're a balkedi, I have an external emission, you're only expelled from the from the Machneshina. And he said no. That because because we said that a Balkedi has the same law as a Zav that expelled not only from the inner inner courtyard, even from the outer courtyard, even from the, from the entire temple mount. But since the end, you must say the end of the Brais. He's comparing the two, which surely regarding the the uh, which which camp you have to expel him from. So surely the beginning, the first part is also when he equates the Balkadi, the nocturnal emission, to the one who touches a dead rat and mouse. It's also talking about which camp you have to uh, expel him from. So he says no. What's the proof? The first part he's talking about, he's equating the two to teach us a law about the impurity. That just like if you touch a dead mouse, even by accident you become impure. So too, even by accident you're impure. And and the second and the, and the second half of the price is talking about which camp you expel him from. Mace, I'll ask you a question. We learn We learn that a Metzayda leper is more strict than a Zav. The Zav Chamer Mitamimais. And the Zav is stricter than someone who came in contact with a corpse. Yatsa Balkedi. With the exception, Yatsa Balkedi. Excluding. Excluding a Balkedi. Someone who had an external emission. Shatamimais. Chamer Mimen. That the one who came in contact with a corpse is stricter than a balkedi. 
the impurities, so Metzayda is, 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 the, is the severest, is the strictest impurity. Then comes the Zav. And then comes, he came in contact with the corpse, like we learned yesterday, at different levels. So, but a Balkedi is less strict than, than, than a Tommy mace. Because a, a tummy maze, you're impure for seven days. A balkedi, you're only impure until until the evening. So chamer, my yatsa. What do you? So now he's ex- interpreting the brayse. My yatsa. What do you mean excluding? Lav. Surely he means yatsa meklalzo. Balakal tummy maze. Surely he means that a balkedi. It doesn't have to be expelled from both camps, from two camps, the camp of the Shechina and the camp of the Levites. It doesn't have to be expelled from the Temple Mount, even though he's less strict than a Tommy Maze, but he's, you only have to expel him like a Tommy Maze, only from the inner courtyard, from the Temple itself, from the, the camp of the Shechina. The Tommy Maze, Tommy Maze, someone who came in contact with a corpse is, is a much stricter impurity. And nevertheless, um, the Tommy Maze, and even the Maze itself, the corpse itself was allowed into the Levium, into the camp of the Levium, in the Temple Mound, and the outer courtyard. I was saving it for lunch. So, how could you say that a Balkedi has the same law as a Zov? Right. That you have to expel him from both camps, not only from the camp of the Shechina, also the camp of the Leviim. Clearly, the Brayse says not so. And the law, you misunderstood the Brayse. That's not what the Brayse is saying. Yatza means excluding. It's excluding mimachne. Yatza mimachne tamer meis nichas lemachne zav. He's saying he's ex- even though. Even though someone who came kind of with a corpse is a much stricter impurity than the Balkedi, the one who has nocturnal emission, nevertheless, we exclude him, we take him out of the laws of Tommy Mays that he's not only excluded from the Machne Shechina, he's also excluded from the Levium. The Machne Levia is even stricter. Regarding the expulsion, the Balkedi is stricter than the one who came in contact with the corpse. I've got the Tommy's Chomer men and Mutter Machen Levia. But nevertheless, so why? What's the logic then? Why, why indeed? Why, why should the Balkedi, the one who has eternal emission, who's a much lesser, uh, a much lesser impurity, who's only impure till the evening, why should you be so strict that you should kick him out of both camps? Stricter than the one who came in contact with the corpse. Who has an impurity for seven days and yet you only kick him out of the Machnashina? Uh, because since we learned out from Vakoil, it says Vakol Zav. So we have to compare one to the other. Zav is something that flows from the body. So too, Balkedi is something that flows from the body, an external emission. So we compare the Titus coming to add that the Balkedi has the same status of a Zav regarding the laws of expulsion. You have to expel him even of the camp of the Levine. Talking about a tongue, Tanaka, and Rabbi Yitzhak, 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 and which is the, t- the tabernacle, the temple itself, the inner courtyard and up. He shouldn't go into the camp. He's not allowed to even go to the camp. Not allowed to even enter the camp. 
coming to teach me the machna levia. I'm sorry, there and there he's talking about a balkeri. In other words, he's learning. Where do we learn this from? Where do we learn that a balkeri has to be expelled from both camps, even though his impurity is not as severe as someone came in contact with a corpse? Because he learns that from the pasuk. Since the pasuk says, "Leave the camp." Okay, leave the camp means leave the camp of the shchinim, and then he adds, "Don't enter into the camp." Don't enter to which camp? In the camp of the Levium. So we come the Balkari here, we learn the Balkari, is expelled from both camps. So they, they said, He didn't even enter yet. You're already taking him out. He, he didn't even enter yet the camp of the Levium. Mm-hmm. And you're already taking him out. You're saying he said he left the camp. He left the camp of the Shechina. So where did he enter when he left the camp of the Shechina? He entered into the Levium. So you didn't take him out yet, because when you say don't enter into the camp of the Levium, that means he's standing where? He's standing in the camp of the Yisrael, outside of the camp of the Levium, and tell him don't enter. But you didn't even take him out yet. He just left the, the Shechina, so he is in the Levium camp. So if you would have said, don't leave the camp, I mean, leave the camp of Levian is one thing. Not, you're saying don't enter into the camp. What do you mean don't enter? He's not outside, he's still inside. I got the Le'alte, you didn't even bring him in. You didn't even bring him into the camp of Levian and you're already taking him out. That you're telling him don't enter, you're taking him outside of the camp of the Levian and you're telling him don't enter into the camp of the Levian. That's how I understand it. It's already my understanding. But still not. First, you have to, first you have to bring him. First, he finds himself in the capital of Vim. First, you have to tell him to leave the capital of Vim. Then you have to tell him don't enter. But first, 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 you have to tell him to leave. You didn't even bring him into the capital of Vim to tell him to leave. That you're telling him you already brought him out and telling him don't come in. Right. Another version. You didn't tell him to leave. You, 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 you're telling him don't go in. I mean the same idea, but just a different wording. Expel him from the camp is referring to the camp of the In other words, he's standing. You're telling him. Go out of the camp of the Levium and don't go into the camp of the Shechina. So since it's a double, since he says twice, so that's why he's coming to teach me that that the Yatza leave the camp of the Levium. Now, where is he at? He is in the Levium. So we're telling him leave. Go where? To the camp of the Israelim. Don't go in the other direction. Don't leave and go to the camp of the Shechina. Leave and go to the camp of the Israelis. So that's since it says twice, that teaches us he's expelled from both camps. The Shechina, the Shechina is the base amigdash. The Shechina is the base amigdash itself. The Levim is, is the Harabayas, the Temple Mount, and the outer courtyard, the inner courtyard, and the and the base amigdash. That's the inner camp, the Shechina. And uh, Yerushalayim, that's the Israeli camp. That's where the Jewish people are living. These are the three camps. Maskel Ravin, Ravin, 
maybe both maybe the is speaking about the shechina. We're telling him expel him, leave him, leave the shechina, and don't enter. There's a positive and a prohibition. If that's the case, and what answers if that's the case, the positive He should leave the camp. The yotze, he should go leave the camp. He should have leave and don't come. Leave and don't come back. So I would have a positive mitzvah, leave, yotze, and a, and a prohibition, don't come. Why does he have to add el techamachne? El lamali. It's extra. We're talking about the same camp. We're talking about two camps. It's not a repetition. He's not saying the same thing. He's not repeating. It's two different camps. He's standing in the camp of the Levium. And we tell him, leave. You have to go out of the camp of the Levium, go out of the Temple Mount, and go into Yerushalayim. You're allowed into Yerushalayim. But you're not allowed here in the Temple Mount. But don't go inside. Don't go inside the Machna Shechina. Okay, now we go back to the mission. The mission says, Michi and cleaning out of the intestines. Man, Michi why is it called Michi You make a hole with a knife, and all the garbage like comes flowing out in the intestines. All the garbage, which is like liquid, comes, comes flowing out. It's talking about. <coughs> There's a certain um, there's a certain <coughs> a slime that's in the intestines that's putrid. So you 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 take it out, you scrape it out with a knife along the walls of the intestines. You have this this uh, so you scrape it out because it smells. Yeah. And the reason you're allowed to do this in Yantiv because if you leave it inside, it's going to rot. The whole, the whole, it's going to rot the meat. If they get rid of all, all that, all that garbage. I'm rabbi. my time. My time to keep it up. What's the reason? How do we know this? That Mich uh, refers to Shirke de The Chiv it says, it says it says in Yeshaya, v'charba is mechim godim yechel. My Masha, what does it mean? The Tagen Rabbi Yisuf, when he in the Rishia, v'charba is mechim. The destruction of runes of the fat ones, mechim. Godim yechel. So he interpreted. That the, the possessions of the wicked, the righteous will inherit. So Michri refers to something something that's that's repulsive. We're talking about evil. The charbes and and the the runes of mechem and the fat ones, the evil ones. So mechem refers to something that's that's uh, repulsive. So in the intestines. It's repulsive. You have this this uh, slime that's repulsive, and that's why that's a You have to get rid of it. Now that he mentions this pasuk, so he mentions the beginning of the pasuk. Now he interprets the beginning of that pasuk. It says in the beginning of that pasuk, "Vero kavasim kedabram." That the sheep, the, the Jewish people, will prosper. Kedabram. As it's stated in them. 
as the prophet says, the the sheep, the Jewish people compared to a sheep, will graze as is stated in them. Like like he spoke about them. Because your focus is not on yourself right now. You just don't care. It's just not relevant. It's just so beneath. In other words, the prophet spoke about the future prosperity of the Jewish people. So that that prophecy will become fulfilled. Where does it say this? That's the end of that verse. That the runes of the mechim, of the despicable ones, the, the, the fat ones, the, the evil ones, God in Michelu, the righteous ones will eat it. Amalei Rava, Rava said, If it would have said Charbez, then it's a continuation. That the Jewish people are going to graze, they're going to prosper, as it was spoken to them, Charbez, Mechim, God in Michelu. But it, it doesn't say that in the past. Hashda Dechsev V'Charbez. And the harvest, talking about a separate thing. The harvest is a disconnect. It's talking about a new, a new subject. The tzaddikim, the future, are going to have the power to resurrect the dead. Because that the uh, they're going to kavasim, um, they're going to graze. The sheep are going to graze, Kedavram, Uksivhasam, it says, Yirubashan Vigilad, Kimeyelam. And it says elsewhere, it says in Micha, that uh, the Jewish people will uh, graze Bashan and Gilad, Kimeyelam, like the eternal days. So what's it referring to? Bashan, the Bashan is Elisha, right? Bashan is Elisha, refers to Elisha. Abamina Bashan. he comes from Bashan. Elisha, the student and the prophet, uh, the student of Elijah, Yohanavi, was from Bashan. Shanam, it says, Vayani, Shafat, Babashan. Shafat lived in Bashan. Elisha bin Shafat. Elisha was the son of Shafat who lived in Bashan. So Bashan refers to Elisha. Hanavi. Ashayatuk Maima de Elio. Gilad Elio. Gilad refers to Elio. Shem Vayav Elio Atishbi Mitashvi Gilad. Elio Atishbi Elio Giladi. He comes from Gilad. And they resurrected the dead. We find in the Tanakh that Elio and Elisha resurrected the dead. First he says Elisha, because Elisha resurrected the dead twice. Once when he was alive and once when he passed away. He was even more powerful. Elio resurrected the dead once. So we say, it's the same wording, grace, that the righteous ones will have the power to resurrect the dead. Hmm. The Rebbe said, there's nothing colder than a, the brain, the mind, and resurrecting the dead, taking a Jew who's cold to Yiddishkeit, who's cool and detached and is dead, and make him come alive, make him on fire, turn him on fire, that's, that's the tzaddikim have the power to resurrect the dead. No, but the Mashiach will come, will be literally dead. <laughs> but, but today it's spiritually dead. In the future, the Sadiqim will, will raise the dead. Because it says in the famous prophecy of Zechariah that in the, there will come a time when the elders and the elder men and women will sit in the streets of Yerushalayim and they'll have their stick. They're going to be old, so they're going to have a stick. Because the question is, firstly, they're sitting. If they're sitting, why do they need a stick? And if you tell me they're going to be, they're going to live a long life, they'll be youthful, 
Why do they need a stick? So he's coming to teach me. He says, And it says that Elisha told the Gehazi, put my stick on, on the, to resurrect the, 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 the lad, the child who died. So we see that they're going to have the sticks, meaning they're going to have the power to resurrect the dead. Ula Rami, Ula question. It says, Bilam of it says in Isaiah that Hashem is going to swallow up death will be swallowed up forever. And then it says in another verse in Yeshaya at a hundred year old will be considered a youth. Someone will die at hundred years old. They say, oh, he died so young. A little bite hundred years old. Look, he died. So it's a contradiction. Here it says there won't be any death. Here it says there will be death. But people will live long. By the Jewish people, there won't be any death. By the Akum, by the Goyim, there will be death. So what are Goyim doing then? What are Goyim going to be then? The Chesibet says, Because it says that the, the, the strangers will graze your sheep for you. It says in Yeshaya, will be your farmers and they will tend your vineyard. So, we, so the goyim will be there. They will they will serve and they will take care of it. And they will live long, but they're not gonna live forever. It says in Yeshaya that the Mashiach will come, the, the Levana will be ashamed, the and the sun will be ashamed. There won't be any light, we won't need the light. Look, see if it says, and there's another verse that says also in Yeshaya that the, 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 the light of the moon will be as intense as the light of the sun. And the light of the sun will be seven times the light of the seven days, meaning it will be 49 times, seven times seven. 49 times, the sun will be seven, uh, 49 times. And the uh, the moon is is uh, the moon will be like the sun. The moon will be like the sun. So it'll be seven. Um, the moon will be like the sun, and the sun will be seven times seven, which is forty-nine times. Shiva Sayyim is not seven times. Shiva Sayyim is 49, seven times seven. Yes. 49 times the light of seven days. So what's seven times 49? 343. Because seven times 50 would be 350. Three, uh, take off seven because it's 49. So it's 343. It'll be 343 times brighter than it is today. So the question is, here we say there won't be any light, we won't need a light, and here we're saying there will be light where it's going to be 343 times more intense than it is today. The Gemara answers, like, Kasha, it's not a contradiction. This is Leilam Haba, and this is for the days of Mashiach. In the times of Mashiach, we'll have the light, but it will be the light of the moon, will be like the light of the sun, and the light of the sun will be seven, for, for 343 times brighter. 
but we'll have Hashem's light, we won't need the sun's light, we won't need the moon's light. Shmuel says there won't be any difference between Elam Hazel and Mesa Mashiach. The only difference is there won't be any, any anti Semitism, there will be freedom, yeah. but the world will be natural. So, so how do we reconcile this contradiction? Michael Maimon, both are talking about Elam in the camp of the Shekhinah you won't need any light they'll just have the light of Hashem you won't need the sun you won't need the moon but in the camp of Tzadikim you will need the light and um, and then it'll be uh, uh, as, as intense as this and 343 times the light of the I will I uh, bring death and I, I make live, Hashem says. And Siva says, I make you sick, and here I heal you. If Hashem could give life to the dead, if he could resurrect the dead, surely he can heal the sick. The Pshat in the Pasuk like this, Hashem says, You shouldn't think. Ani Amis means in general. Hashem takes your life away and Hashem gives, uh, brings babies and gives birth and life comes from Hashem and death comes from Hashem. He says, no, that's not what I mean. I, what I mean is just like when I say that I make sick and I heal, who does Hashem heal? The person who is sick. First you have to be sick to heal. So when I say that I, I put to death and I, and I bring to life, the person who is dead I bring back to life. Wow. Not in general Hashem brings life to the world and in general Hashem brings death. No, Hashem says, I will resurrect. The person who died will be resurrected, just like the person who is sick is healed. I would think Hashem gives death and Hashem gives life. The way the world is. An ordinary customary way of the world. I, I make sick and I cure. This is a response to those who say there's no resurrection. Here's clearly another explanation. Another explanation is that in the beginning Hashem will resurrect, but you'll come back the way you were. Sick, feeble, <laughs> old, and then you're going to and be then, then, the then I'm going to heal you. Next pay, next size, 68B. Dr. Yimadur says in the mission of Hector Halavo, the burning of the fat. He says, the first mission in this chapter, things that override Shabbos. Of the carbon pesos that override Shabbos and things that don't override Shabbos. One of the things that override Shabbos is burning. It's in burning the parts of the animal that have to be burned in the altar. Tani, we learn from Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon said, take a look. Look how precious a mitzvah in the right time is. The burning of the fat and the organs that have to be burned, like the kidney. And the fat. Really, you can burn it all night. Even though you're going to burn on Shabbos, what do you have to burn on Shabbos? It's better to burn it on Yantav. Yantav you're allowed to burn, but on Shabbos you're not allowed to. Better to do a mitzvah in its time, and even though you override Shabbos, from here we learn. And then the Mishnah says, but carry yeah, and bring it outside. The does not push up Shabbos and, and cutting off its wart. I mean, we'll ask a question. We learn about Mikdash. You're allowed to cut a wart in the base of Mikdash, but not outside the base of Mikdash. In Bikli, and if the vessel, the utensil, the boat, even in the temple. 
So how do you reconcile it? Here the Mishnah says that on Shabbos in the temple it doesn't override. Cutting the wart does not override Shabbos. So we have two answers. Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Yisrael Hanin, Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Yisrael Hanin gave two different answers. One of them said, both are talking about when you take off the wart with your hand. Your bare hands, but in one case you are allowed, in one case you're not allowed to, even in the temple. If it's moist, you're not allowed to, even by hand. If it's dry, you are allowed to, by hand. Another say, or, or if it's dry, it maybe even by kelim. No, both are talking about belacha, the moist. Nevertheless, nevertheless, is not a contradiction. By hand, you are allowed to. But by by Kaylee, you're not allowed to. Now the Gemara is going to explain why each one gives a different answer. Why he doesn't accept his colleague's answer. My explanation. The one who says that our mission is talking about with a utensil, you're not allowed to cut it off the ward. With your hands, you are allowed to. Why doesn't the answer that, that both are talking about by hand? Our mission is talking about if it's dry, and and then there, the, there when it says, and our mission is talking about when it's wet, moist. Therefore, you're not allowed to, even by hand. And that's why you're stuck. You can't bring the carbon plates out. And the other one, the, the mission that says you are, the bride says you are allowed to, is talking about if it's dried up. Why doesn't he answer that? Yevesha, it, it crumbles. The dry one easily passes. The dry one, so it's not called cutting. You don't have to cut it. You just you just touch it and then it crumbles. Taisu says it's not just the language that bothers him. Yeah. It's more so. Because it says, it says at the end, if you're gonna tell me. That the Braise that says you are allowed to do it in the base of Migdash and Shabbos is talking about it's dry, but the Braise concludes, but with an implement, you're not allowed to. If it's dry and that it crumbles, you would be even allowed with an implement because there's nothing there. I didn't cut anything. That's his problem. That's why he answers, he can't accept this explanation, and that's why he gives the explanation. And this is one Braise, how Mishnah is talking about with an implement, with a keli. And when he says you're allowed to, he's talking about by hand. Now he has Sulman, the one who says, they're both are talking about by hand. But one is moist and one is dry. Why doesn't he answer? They're both talking about if it's moist. It's not a contradiction. Our mission is talking about with an implement, and therefore you're not allowed, even in the temple. And there the bride is talking about by hand. Allah will answer you, If it's by Kaylee, it says clearly you're not allowed to. So why did our mission have to teach me? It already says already. Right. I know that already. Right. So I know that already. So our mission will be extra. Yeah. So therefore he says, surely we're not talking about our um, Kaylee. Here we're talking about even by hand. But if it's moist, he's telling me I'm not allowed to, to do it on the base of Migdash. That's the Chiddush. That's the innovation of our mission. But, um, so how is he going to respond to that, that challenge? The one who does use that as an explanation, that our mission is talking about an implement. It already says there. Well, why is our mission? What's our mission adding? He's coming to teach me the argument between Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Shur, this whole debate, because Rabbi Lezer holds that you're allowed to. Even the preparation of a mitzvah, I'm allowed to violate Shabbos. 
So I'm allowed to use a keli. He's coming to teach me that 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 he said in that Mishnah, that with a keli, with an implement, you're not allowed to. It's not according to everyone. It's only according to Rabbi Yeshua. According to Rabbi Lezer, you would be allowed to. Rabbi Lezer argues, if shchita, which is biblically prohibited. Nevertheless, we it override Shabbos. Surely the shvus of, of taking mechutz l'tchum, of bringing it outside of tchum, or, 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 or cutting the wart, surely you'll be allowed to, you should override Shabbos. And what does Rabbi Sh- Oh, I'm sorry. And then he brought, a, he brought another argument. He said, he said that Yamtif, Rabbi Shua answered, he said, he responded, look at Yamtif. Yamtif biblically allowed to cook. But nevertheless, the rabbi said that, uh, that the shavus, rabbinic prohibitions, are prohibited in Yamtif. Even though biblical things you're allowed to do, biblical prohibitions you're allowed to do, but things that are rabbinic, the rabbis insisted. So to over here, even though biblically we allow them to override the biblical prohibition of slaughtering, but the rabbinic prohibitions are in place. So Rabbi Eliezer says, how could you compare? There, we give you permission to cook on Shabbos. There's no mitzvah to cook on Shabbos. So therefore, the rabbis insisted to, 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 to stay with their restrictions. But here, it's a mitzvah, it's an obligation to bring a carbon pesa. Surely, we have to override the rabbinic prohibition. So what are they arguing? So Yimada says, Rabbi Shua Rabbi Shua follows his reasoning. Rabbi Shua holds that eating a yantiv, cooking a yantiv, and slaughtering a yantiv is also a mitzvah. And this is the argument in Rabbi Shua and Rabbi Lezer. Tani will in Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Lezer A person has an option. Rabbi Lezer says a person has an option of yantiv. Either you can sit and eat and drink, or you can sit and learn all day. Huh. Yeah. So you don't have to eat. There's no mitzvah to eat. That's what Rabbi Lezer's argument. There's no mitzvah to eat. So there we allowed you, and there the Chamim insisted on keeping all their rabbinic prohibitions. But here where there's an obligation to, to bring a carbon paste. So surely it overrides all the rabbinic prohibitions of bringing outside of the Trum. But Rabbi Shua says, no, Rabbi Shua disagrees. He says, You must divide the yontif, half to, half to you and half to Hashem. So therefore, it's an obligation to eat. So it's a great comparison. Even though there's an obligation to eat, and nevertheless, the rabbis insisted on keeping all their prohibitions. So to hear also, even though there's an obligation to bring the Paschal lamb, the rabbis keep all their prohibitions. They both learn from the same verse. One pasuk, it says, The seventh day of Pesach, that's called Atzeres. It should be a holiday for you. It's talking about Shavuos. But it says, one day it says, Yomtev should be Tashem. Another pasuk says, Atzeres should be for you, celebration for you. So reconciles the two he says is giving you an option either you can spend the whole day learning and davening or you can spend the whole day eating and drinking <laughs> no you have to do both half to God and half to people to have to yourself Everyone agrees, even Abelazar, you have to physically celebrate the Yom Tov Shavuos. Even though Shavuos, you would think, is spiritual. Shavuos, nothing happened on Shavuos. The giving of the Torah is purely spiritual. No, the Torah came down the mountain. The whole point of Torah is to influence the material, the physical. So you must eat. Even Abelazar says you have to eat on, on, on Shavuos. My time, it's a day that the Torah was given. 
the way the calendar is set up today by us, we always Shavuos always falls out on the day the Torah was given, on the sixth day of Shavuos. Oh, but Rabbi Rabbi says I can't wait in Shabbos. Even Alechem everyone agrees on Shabbos. Also, you have to eat on Shabbos. My time it says we could also Shabbos Einik. Shabbos has to be a day of pleasure, so you have to physically eat. Oh, but Rabbi Yisuf, how can we make everyone agrees? But put him, even Alechem put him. Also, you must eat and put him. My time it says if you may miss the Simcha, it's days of drinking and joy. He fasted. He fasted. Everyone today is big into fasting. He fasted a whole year. Levad, <laughs> except Meatsarta, Shvuas, Opuria, and Purim, Omaliyem, and the Kippurim, and Erevim Kippur. What does it mean he fasted? Some say he doesn't mean he, fa- he doesn't mean fasted. It meant that even if you have a disturbing dream, he says if you have a disturbing dream on Shabbos, you're allowed, you have to fast. You're allowed to fast on Shabbos. But you're not allowed to fast at Tainus Cholom on Shavuos. These days that he says here, on Shavuos, he can't fast at Tainus Cholom. Erevim Kippur and on Purim. Why? Hashem gave us the Torah. He can't fast. It says these are days of feasting and rejoicing. We already learned this. It says you should fast on the ninth of Tishrei. The question is, we fast on the ninth day. You fast on the tenth day. To teach me. If you eat and drink on the ninth day, Hashem gives you the reward as if you fasted and because I'm eating because to prepare for the fast and I'm eating to celebrate the idea that uh, you have to eat because it's a yantiv. Hashem is forgiving us for our sins so that's our meal that's our yantiv meal we're eating the yantiv meal before Hashem counts it as if you, you've eaten not the reward for eating a greater reward for, for fasting. It's much mm-hmm. di- more difficult to fast. Hashem counts it as if you fasted the ninth and the tenth. Mm. In the day of Shavuos, he would say, make for me a, a calf, a very choice calf. The third calf, the third is the, is the charm. Mm-hmm. It's the healthiest, strongest. If not for this day, how many Yosefs are there out there? What makes, what makes me special? It's only today, the giving of the Torah that elevated me, that made me special. Special. Rav Sheish all thirty days. Talmud, he would review the whole Talmud, review all everything that he learned. And then he would go and he would lean on the bolt of the door, the bolt of the door, which would he locked the door. And he would say, rejoice my soul. rejoice my soul. For you, I read Torah. For you, I learned the oral Torah. Hmm. Is that the reason you learn Torah for yourself? What is if not for Torah? The world cannot sustain. If not for the bris, the covenant that Hashem made, you have to learn day and night. You must learn Torah. Every Jew is obligated to learn Torah both in the morning and the evening, every day and night. If not for that, the whole world would, 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 would fall apart. The world cannot be sustained. So I learned Torah not just for myself, I learned Torah to sustain the whole world. First, you learn Torah for yourself. First, you have a mind for your own, for your own nefesh, for your own soul. Torah, my life depends on it. I need it to live. And then, in addition to that, then you're supporting the whole world. Okay, we'll stop over here. Everyone have a wonderful day. Happy to be Shvat. Wow.